Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where we give you, well, just that, the news. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Rather than have a guest, we're going to spend the whole half hour going through a series of new revelations, exclusive materials that uh, Just the News has obtained in the Russia investigation. There have been so many dramatic uh, developments in the last couple of weeks that it's almost hard to keep track. And some of them are core revelations, things that change our understanding in the Russia case. So I want to spend the whole half hour today just going through a couple of these that are really big. I'm going to give you a couple of hints before we go to the commercial break. Christopher Steele, he told lawyers in London last month that Hillary Clinton was in on his dossier from the beginning. At least that's what he was told at the time. And there may be notes to back that up, suggesting that the FBI knew that as well. Uh, And that's not the only big revelation. As we go through these newly declassified transcripts and documents and footnotes, which are voluminous, we're now being able to see a little bit clearer who are some of the biggest losers of declassification. People who actually have had their reputations, their work, uh, tarnished by the revelations. Well, one of them is Christopher Steele, obviously. Another is the FBI, who relied on Steele and misled the FISA courts. But one that hasn't gotten a lot of discussion lately and that we're going to talk about a lot today, well, it's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. That's right, Adam Schiff. He may be one of the biggest losers in this entire declassification effort because many of the documents and pieces of evidence that are coming out now, they just flat out contradict what he has claimed previously in official government reports, in television interviews even during congressional proceedings. We're going to go through and compare what Adam Schiff said with what we now know the evidence shows so you can get a better, become a better judge of whether Adam Schiff had credibility on the Russia case. So when we come back from the commercial break, first we're going to start with some new testimony from Christopher Steele. It's an eye-opener. Just keep thinking. Hillary Clinton and maybe even Susan Rice. We'll be back right after the commercial break. All right, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, we're going to take a look at uh, this transcript I've obtained uh, from uh, the case in London, where a Russian bank and some of its uh, members are suing 
Christopher Steele uh, for libel or defamation related to claims he made in his uh, dossiers and other work for the government or in talking to people like the State Department, Kathleen Kavalak, the FBI, <clears throat> some very big revelations that change what we know about Christopher Steele's conduct. And let me start with the first one. Uh, first, let's uh, describe why there's litigation against Christopher Steele in London. One of the stories he peddled was an allegation that Alpha Bank and um, uh, in Russia was secretly communicating with Donald Trump through a server at the Alpha Bank. And that was part of the collusion uh, uh, efforts to hijack the 2016 election. We know that not to be true. <clears throat> Bob Mueller said it wasn't true. The FBI said it wasn't true. Um, but uh, because he made the allegation and those allegations got leaked and became public, a couple of the figures at um, the uh, Alpha Bank, including Mikhail Friedman and Peter Avin, have sued uh, Steele and his firm Orbis. <clears throat> and so... Uh, the they're in the process now of taking depositions and, and testimony. And uh, in the course of that, this this occurred back in March, uh, March 17th through the end of March, uh, two or three sessions with Christopher Steele, where the lawyers for uh, Avin, Friedman and others uh, get to question Christopher Steele. There are some pretty remarkable revelations. And let's start with the first one. And that is that Christopher Steele claims in his testimony that almost from the beginning, he knew that the Clinton campaign was likely the, the client or end client or one of the final clients um, uh, that would benefit from his research. And even more dramatically, he says he was told Hillary Clinton was read in on the project. She was in the loop. She knew what was going on. This is a pretty big, important revelation <clears throat> because in the course of the testimony, it appears that Christopher Steele is confronted with some notes he had of a meeting with the FBI, where it appears he tells the FBI the same thing. So let me just read through uh, the transcript. And before we do that, let me just set the stage. So Christopher Steele works for a company called Orbis. They're hired by Glenn Simpson's Fusion GPS. That's an opposition research firm who's hired by the law firm Perkins Coie, who is the law firm for both Hillary Clinton's campaign and the Democratic National Committee. And we now know that Perkins Coy paid Fusion, who paid Orbis, who paid Steele, uh, to do this Trump research uh, on Russia back during the 2016 election, which ultimately made its way by Christopher Steele to the FBI. Um, but it's always been a mystery. When did the FBI know uh, that the Clinton-DNC connection was there? And when did Steele himself know? And here is where I think it, it becomes pretty interesting. He's asked... What did he know about the ultimate client, meaning the people that Perkins Coy was representing for this information? Um, when did he know that? And by early July 2016, didn't you know something? And he said, quote, Christopher Steele now talking. <clears throat> I was not aware of the ultimate client in the sense that the DNC, I believe, was the ultimate client. I presumed it was the Clinton campaign and Glenn Simpson had indicated that. But I was not aware of the technicality of it being the DNC that was actually the client of Perkins Coy. Okay, so he gets pressed a little bit more. And because he has notes uh, from an alleged conversation he had with the FBI, they kept pressing and said, you knew it was the leadership of the Clinton presidential campaign, didn't you? I believed it was the campaign, yes. But the leadership of the campaign, they asked. Fine, the leadership of the campaign. And you also understood that Hillary Clinton herself was aware of what you were doing, the lawyers asked. 
I think Glenn had mentioned it, but I wasn't clear. All right, then they, they stopped. So now he's said that Glenn Simpson told him early on that the Clinton campaign was going to be the beneficiary of this and that Hillary Clinton herself was read in. Now they go to a set of documents, a notes of a meeting. Uh, it's hard to tell exactly what they are, but Christopher Sales, they said, these are your own notes of your meeting. Yes, they start to read the number of the document. And, and Christopher Steele says, with the FBI, yes. So he's confirming that these notes were of a conversation he had with the FBI. And the, the lawyer says, you record yourself. I mean, it's your notes. So we assume it's accurate. He says, yes. And then they start reading paragraph three of this document. And this is Christopher Seale allegedly contemporaneously writing notes from his meeting with the FBI. Let me just read what he writes in his notes, at least as read into the record by the lawyers for Peter Avin, Mikhail Friedman, and the other Alpha Bank figures. Quote, <clears throat> we explained... This is Christopher Steele's notes now, so he's the weed. We explained that Glenn Simpson, GPS Fusion, was our commissioner, but the ultimate client were the leadership of the Clinton presidential campaign, and that we understood the candidate herself was of the was aware of the reporting at least. All right. So now, not only is he testified to it, there's a document alleging uh, that he told this to the FBI. Now we don't know much more than that. Uh, right now, we are trying to get our hands on that written note that Steele had of his meeting with the FBI to see if the lawyers have accurately portrayed it. But right now, Christopher Steele, in his own words, I just want to go back and make sure that we uh, he's asked. You also understood that Hillary Clinton herself was aware of what you were doing. He answers. I think Glenn mentioned it, but I wasn't clear. He was asked who he thought the ultimate beneficiary of the of his research was. And he answers. I presumed it was a Clinton campaign and Glenn Simpson had indicated that, but I was not aware of the technicality of it being the DNC. So he knew it was the Clinton campaign. <clears throat> and when further pressed, he said the senior leadership of the campaign. Now, that's a big revelation, but it's not the only one in this transcript. There are other very important revelations that are in this testimony by, uh, by Christopher Steele. I want to take you to a couple more because I think they'll be insightful. One is a small one, but it goes to the credibility or the type of uh, intelligence work, private intelligence work that Christopher Steele was doing. In uh, his questioning, they began to ask him about these sources and subsources and people that were on his payroll. And that's very important because of the fact that we know uh, that uh, the, they have been called into question on multiple times now by the inspector general. One thing that Christopher Steele points out in this uh, deposition is that he was paying some of his sources, regular stipends. Uh, seems a little bit unusual and certainly raises the question that they may have given him things he wanted to hear because they want to keep the money flowing. Uh, I just want to um, read this to you and, and just you judge your own, uh, make your own judgment on this. But here, quote, you paid the sources a retainer of between $3,000 and $5,000 a month. That is an average. Yes, Christopher Steele adds. Uh, so they had a financial incentive to feed you information that was interesting, correct? Yes, but that is true. But they were also paid also to do other project work. This is not the only project, your lordship, they were working on at the time. That's Christopher Steele's answer. So another big revelation is that some of these sources he was using were people he was paying to give him information. That's one of the red flag sometimes in the intelligence community. If someone's on the dole and getting money, 
uh, are getting uh, money for information, are they tempted to make things up, exaggerate, stretch data, give you something that isn't as solid as it could be because they want that next paycheck? That's a kind of important revelation, not not ground shaking, uh, but very important to understand where Christopher Steele is coming from in the course of this. So that's one one of the things that Steele tells the uh, lawyers in this London case is that he uh, got some information from his client, the Perkins Coy law firm, who has hired Fusion GPS, and a guy named Michael Sussman. He's a former Justice Department lawyer who's now a lawyer at the uh, uh, Perkins Coy law firm. And what's interesting about this uh, discussion is is what Steele talks about. It's very unusual for a uh, intelligence asset to then go ahead and take information from uh, their client and turn it into a report that goes back to the client or goes back to other people. But in this uh, uh, questioning, Christopher Steele talks about in July of uh, 2016. So early on, just as he's approaching the FBI, he has a meeting with Sussman at Perkins Coie. And in that meeting, he learns about these allegations, which turn out to be debunked, that Trump and Russia were communicating through the Alpha Bank server. And he says that Mr. Sussman provided that information to him uh, during the meeting. And that, and that began the process of, of him providing that information to many people. We know he gave it to the State Department. It appears he gave the memo to other people as well, uh, raising this what now turned out to be bogus claim. But it's very interesting to know that Michael Sussman was the source of the original information that Christopher Steele got on that very salacious and, it turns out, inaccurate uh, allegation against the Trump campaign. Uh, it's, it's pretty simply laid out, and uh, it's yet another piece of the puzzle about what we didn't know uh, all these years for three, four years after the Steele dossier came out. And we're going to keep learning because the transcript keeps giving us other gifts. Next up, how about we talk about the former National Security Advisor for Barack Obama, Susan Rice, because Christopher Steele did. Now, here's the context for how that all comes up. Christopher Steele is describing how he ended up in October 2016, meeting with a top State Department official named Kathleen Cavillac. If you remember, this was a story I broke about a year ago uh, that kind of broke new ground because at that up until that point, we didn't know that Steele had had contacts with other government agencies other than the FBI. But now we found out right in the middle of his work for the FBI, he went over to the State Department where he made a lot of very big comments, including acknowledging that his client wanted him to get his information out before Election Day, that he was leaking to the news media, uh, and uh, and that he had provided at least the State Department some inaccurate or false information or information that was later disproven. That became a very big part of the investigation for the inspector general after I uh, put those documents in public uh, in the public domain. So they're asking him in this deposition now, how did he get to the State Department? Who was he talking to? And he says that he, he was talking to an old Clinton administration pal of his, Strobe Talbot, who was the deputy secretary of state under Bill Clinton, still very close to the entire Clinton-Obama team, including John Kerry and others. And he describes that this, uh, his contact with Strobe Talbot leads to this um, meeting at the State Department. I want you to just read his words and hear what he says, because this is the first time some new names show up in this Christopher Steele drama. Here we go. I think Strobe Talbot, this is Christopher Steele talking, I think Strobe Talbot had gotten in touch with us much earlier than that. 
He's talking about before October. I remember taking a phone call from him, your lordship, earlier in the summer, in which he said that he was aware that I had, he spoke in fairly cryptic terms, but he was aware that I had the material relevance to the U.S. election. A little bit of background, if you may, your lordship, on that. Both National Security Advisor at the time, Susan Rice, and Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Nuland, who were the key policymakers on Russia, had been colleagues of Mr. Talbot, and I had, although he didn't state it explicitly, I had thought one or either or both of them had been briefed, uh, had briefed him on the work we had been doing. So what he is saying here, if you can just break that down for a second, when Strobe Talbot calls him in July as he's getting started in reaching out to the FBI, Steele believes that uh, the National Security Advisor, Susan Rice, President Obama's National Security Advisor, is in the loop on this, as is the Assistant Secretary for Eurasian Affairs, Victoria Nuland. Now, Nuland's not surprising. We've known that Susan Rice is a new name. If she was read into the Steele research, like Steele suggests, as early as July, it raises all sorts of new questions of who else in the Obama White House was involved in this. Now, we've reached out to uh, Susan Rice. She hasn't gotten back to us, but this is a very important revelation. Let's just think about what we've learned today. Christopher Steele was paying his sources. He got some of his information from the DNC's lawyers that he then put into dossier-like documents and spread across the government. This is the Alpha Bank um, uh, rumors. He was told at the beginning Hillary Clinton knew about what he was doing and that the Clinton campaign was going to be the ultimate beneficiary of his work. And early on, he thinks that Susan Rice, President Obama's national security advisor, is read into his work as well. These are big revelations. And what does it mean? We need to get answers from Hillary Clinton, from Susan Rice, from President Obama. Who else knew about this dossier and was peddling it through or assisting it through or uh, efforting it through the United States government heading into the election, an effort that was really designed to stop Donald Trump from winning the presidency? These are big revelations. And when we come back, we're going to go to that commercial break finally. When we come back, I want to talk to you about some more revelations, these affecting the credibility of Adam Schiff, the current House Intelligence Committee chairman. We'll be back right after these uh, commercial breaks. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We've got one more segment here. And during this time, what I'd like to do is go through some of the statements that Adam Schiff made when he was uh, the ranking member, uh, the ranking top Democrat in the House Intelligence Committee in 2018, and after he became chairman in 2019, about the Russia case and compare them to what we now know from declassified evidence was available to him in the intelligence community. Uh, what it really shows, I think, at the end of the day is that Adam Schiff doesn't fare well with all of this declassified information. A lot of his claims in uh, official government reports, on television, in news conferences, 
uh, in, even in congressional proceedings, are now contradicted by evidence that the FBI, the Justice Department, the Inspector General, the ODNI, the Intelligence Director, has declassified over the last couple of weeks. And I just want to go through some of them today. We'll probably pick up some more of them on Thursday, but let's do some today because I think they're very important to understanding uh, where Schiff's credibility lies in the Russia case after these new revelations. So let's start with one that's very important. Back in January 2018, when he was still the ranking Democrat, he uh, wrote a memorandum trying to counter the narrative that the Republican chairman, Devin Nunez, uh, was putting out at that time. Remember, Nunez was very early in claiming that this Russia collusion thing was a bogus narrative uh, woven together by political operatives for the DNC and Hillary Clinton. Uh, and Schiff came out and said, uh, and also what uh, what also what Devin Nunez was worried, worried about was that the FBI had abused the FISA process, that they had omitted uh, uh, exculpatory information. We now know that to be true. We do know it's true that they abused the FBI process um, and um, they were spying on the Trump campaign. So Schiff tried to counter that uh, and said that FBI and DOF officials did not abuse the FISA process, omit material information, or subvert this vital tool to spy on the Russian campaign. That was a statement that um, Adam Schiff made in a January 29, 2018 memorandum countering Devin Nunes on the Russia investigation. Now, let's just take that in part. The first was they didn't abuse the FISA process. Well, the IG, Mr. Horowitz, uh, testified, I do not think the Department of Justice fairly treated these FISAs. Uh, and our review found that FBI personnel fell far short of the requirement in FBI policy that they ensure all factual statements in a FISA application are scrupulously accurate. So Horowitz concluded that they did abuse the FISA process, that they did omit material information, that they did subvert the tool by providing both inaccurate or uncorroborated, unverified information in an application for a surveillance warrant that was marked verified. So on that count, uh, the declassified and new information from Horowitz and other places does not does contradict, conflict with Adam Schiff. But we're not alone. We got a lot more of these to go. So uh, Schiff claimed that the DOJ and FBI, this is the same memo, made only narrow use of information from Christopher Steele's dossier. Narrow use. That's the word that um, Schiff and his Democratic colleagues used in that January 29, 2018 memo. Well, guess what the Horowitz report found? We concluded that the Crossfire Hurricane team, this is Horowitz's team writing, uh, receipt of Steele's election reporting on September 19, 2016, played a central and essential, central and essential role in the decision by the FBI OGC to support the request for FISA surveillance. The FISA request drew almost entirely from Steele's reporting, almost entirely from Steele's reporting, and describing the factual basis to establish probable cause. So, uh, we have Adam Schiff saying the Steele thing was a tiny little part of the FISA warrant, and we have the IG showing it was a central and essential part. It was almost entirely based on the um, dossier. That's a big conflict that uh, Adam Schiff has been unable to reconcile so far. And we've asked him on several occasions for comment. I don't think we're going to get it, but at some point he's going to face um, a very important scrutiny, and he needs to answer these questions. Was he right or wrong in his own opinion?
Now, Adam Schiff claimed that the DOJ provided additional information obtained through multiple independent sources that corroborated Steele's reporting. Again, this is in his January 2018 report. Horowitz concluded that despite the FBI's efforts to corroborate and evaluate the Steele election reporting, we were told by an FBI employee that as of September 2017, the FBI had corroborated limited information, and much of that information was just simply publicly available. Remember, they did a spreadsheet and found most of the allegations in the Steele dossier were unverified, debunked, or just internet rumor that could be found with a Google search. So the claim that Schiff made that uh, there were multiple independent support sources corroborating Steele's reporting, that is not true. And there are many places in the Horowitz report, and particularly in the declassified sections of the report, to show that that is uh, clearly not the case. In fact, the declassified footnotes recently made public that we've talked about on this show make clear that some of Steele's reporting might have been intentional Russian disinformation. Intentional Russian disinformation uh, designed to uh, mislead his investigation that he was feeding to the FBI. Uh, those are pretty big, pretty big uh, changes and pretty big conflicts with Adam Schiff's written document. Uh, one more from the written document, then we're going to move on to some of his TV and other stuff. Schiff wrote in that January 2018 document that, quote, DOJ met the rigor, transparency, and evidentiary basis needed to meet the FISA's probable cause requirement. Well, as we now know, the Justice Department has withdrawn two of the four FISAs, and the Inspector General found that among the four, there were 51 factual assertions in the Carter Page FISA application that either had no supporting documentation, had supporting documentation that uh, contradicted it, or, or showed that something was inaccurate. So they either lack substantiation, the substantiation showed something different than what the FBI put into the FISA warrant, or the substantiating document actually debunked what was in the FISA warrant. 51 assertions in four um, FISA applications that allowed the United States government to spy on Carter Page for a year. Uh, it hardly met the rigor, transparency, and evidentiary basis needed for the FISA court. Um, and I think, as I've said before, there's many quotes from Horowitz that have gotten to this, that they didn't fairly treat the process, that uh, anyone who was involved in this should not claim vindication from this IG report. That was another great quote from Horowitz. You kind of get the sense that Adam Schiff's defense of the FISA and the Steele dossier simply don't add up to the facts as we now know them. Back in 18 and 17 and 19, when he was making these comments, we didn't have all this evidence. It was hidden by the FBI, by the Justice Department, uh, by the intelligence um, uh, processes and uh, classifications. But now, with everything declassified and out in public, Adam Schiff's take on much of this appears to have been wrong and certainly contradicted by clear evidence. Um, I'm going to give a couple other claims that jump out to me that I remember from my time reporting this. November 17, he does an interview with the Wall Street Journal. This is Adam Schiff. And he says, quote, who paid for the Steele dossier is a relevant factor to consider. It's not the only factor. The bigger factor is how much of it can you corroborate and how much of it is true. A lot of it has turned out to be true. Let me write that sentence again. A lot of it has turned out to be true. Again, I want to go back to that quote I just wrote from Horowitz just a few minutes ago. Most of it was uncorroborated, unverified, or publicly available internet rumor, and some of it was outright debunked. Adam Schiff's claim that a lot of the Steele dossier was true 
turns out not to be true, at least not from what we know from the FBI. Um, uh, here is one another quote that I want to give you from the Horowitz Report. I'm just thumbing through this as we talk. We found that the FBI did not have information corroborating the specific allegations against Carter Page in Steele's reporting when it relied upon his reports in the first FISA application or subsequent renewal applications. So the key evidence, the most important evidence that was used from the Steele report to justify the FISA was not corroborated according to Michael Horowitz. And yet we had Adam Schiff in the Wall Street Journal article in November 2017 saying a lot of it has turned out to be true. That's not true. And I think it's a real problem for Adam Schiff. Um, at a March 20th, 2017 hearing on the re Russian election interference, this is in the House Intelligence Committee, Schiff actually read from his opening statement several allegations from the Steele dossier, which by that time had been published uh, by BuzzFeed and was now in the public. Uh, and it was, while many people uh, believed it was... Um, uh, inaccurate or unproven. It shouldn't have been leaked at the time. It's now in the public domain. And Schiff goes on to give uh, some of his own assessments, building up the Steele dossier for something it wasn't credible. Here it is. According to Steele's Russian sources, the Trump campaign has offered documents damaging to Hillary Clinton, which the Russians would publish through an outlet that gives them deniability like WikiLeaks. So Horowitz found just the opposite. He, he concluded that uh, the the this allegation in Steele that this information, these documents had been given to the Trump campaign, that uh, the primary subsource for him made statements that were inconsistent with multiple sections of the Steele report, including the allegations relied upon in the FISA application. And specifically, the primary, primary subsource said, among other things, that he, uh, she had only one 10 to 15 minute phone call with someone he believed or she believed was person one and did not recall any discussion or mention of WikiLeaks. So when the FBI goes to Steele's source, who is supposedly the one who validates the information that the Trump campaign got documents from WikiLeaks, the subsource says he never mentioned WikiLeaks or she, whoever it is, it could be a he or a she. That is a very important contradiction. Again, Adam Schiff's assessment of all of these facts uh, are not uh, 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 validate it when we get to the actual factual basis and we found out what the FBI really knew about the Steele dossier. I'm going to give you one more. It comes from that same March 20, 2017 hearing. I think history will look back at Adam Schiff's decision during that hearing to read information into the record from the Steele dossier to have been a poor choice, given what we now know about the Steele dossier and what the FBI knew in real time. In March 2017, they already knew the Steele dossier was in a world of hurt. But in the uh, March 27, 2017 hearing, Adam Schiff uh, reads this in his statement as well. Let me just read it to you. According to Christopher Steele, a former British intelligence officer who is reportedly held in high regard by U.S. intelligence, Russian sources tell him that Page has also held a secret meeting with Igor Session, CEO of Russian gas giant Rosneft, and Session is reported to be a former KGB agent and close friend of Putin. According to Steele's Russian sources, Pages offered brokerage fees by Session on a deal involving a 19% share of the company. That would be worth billions of dollars. Now, let's go through and take apart this statement. Christopher Steele was held in high regard by U.S. intelligence. Actually, we now know from the declassified notes that U.S. intelligence was warning as early as 2015 that Steele might have been somebody who was susceptible to Russian misinformation. We also know that by October of 2016, six months before uh, uh, 
Schiff makes these comments, Steele has been fired by the FBI for violating his confidential human source agreement. And we know by January, his main subsource has disputed much of the information attributed to him in the Steele dossier. Those are three black marks, three derogatory pieces of information. And yet we have Adam Schiff saying in public he's held in high regard. At that moment, that was not true. He was no longer held in high regard. He was fired. He was seeing his dossier be picked apart as inaccurate and uncorroborated. He's seeing his sources um, uh, disown information he attributed to them. And as was warned in 2015 and ultimately concluded in 2017, there was a strong suspicion that uh, Christopher Steele got played by Russian intelligence services and fed disinformation. That's hardly a source held in high regard, but that's not the only thing that's important uh, to this um, uh, statement. The whole meeting with Igor Session was never corroborated by Robert Mueller. And in the IG report, the subsource said that he, he never stated that Session had offered a brokerage interest to Page. So the subsource that Steele uses to base his dossier on, dossier on to make that allegation that Carter Page was conspiring with Session and going to get a big payday if he helped the Russians out, Actually, the subsource disowns it, says, I never told them that. Uh, the primary subsource also told the FBI at these interviews that the subsource who provided the information about Carter Page session meeting had connections to Russian intelligence service. Uh-oh. Not only was this never corroborated and ultimately debunked, it might have come from Russian intelligence services, and the FBI knew that. And when did they know that? They knew that in January, two months before Adam Schiff went, on, went to the congressional hearing and read this garbage into the congressional record. Uh, that's enough for today. We may do some more shift stuff later in the week because there are other statements that are very important. But right now, it's important to note that the body of evidence that has come out through declassification in the last three or four weeks strongly disputes, it conflicts, contradicts the many statements that Adam Schiff made against the Trump campaign, against Carter Page, in support of the Steele dossier, in support of the FISA process. We now know the Steele dossier was contained Russian disinformation and uncorroborated, and in some cases, debunked information. Uh, and we now know that the FISA process that Adam Schiff so dearly defended uh, was broken, terribly broken, uh, perhaps some of the worst instances in American history. That's something worth savoring. I'm John Solomon, and you've been listening to another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. I hope this was uh, interesting and an informational uh, boon for you. I have um, been doing lots of guest interviews. We're going to get back to that on Thursday. But I thought today we would take a detour and just go through these revelations because it's so easy to lose the context and the information and the relevance and the importance of how much the Russian narrative has made a U-turn, how much it has boomeranged, and how much people like Christopher Steele like Adam Schiff, like the FBI, deserve blame, culpability, scrutiny for failing to give us an accurate account in 2017 and 2018 and 2019. Our country went through three years of extraordinary difficulty and strife for a set of allegations that have now mostly been disproven and uh, blown up as Russian disinformation, false information, electoral biased information. We have that now because the facts are finally in the public. We'll be back with you on Thursday. Until then, be safe, be healthy. I hope you're doing well, and I hope that this podcast was particularly helpful in helping you understand just what really went on in the Russia collusion investigation. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.